sorrow. So they went to Esther. She was now queen. And they informed her, Esther, Mordecai, you know, he seems really distraught. He's wearing burlap and ashes. So she inquired, you know, of him, you know, Mordecai, what's, what's going on? And the Bible says that when they had this conversation, excuse me, that he informed her that Haman was aiming at killing not only him, but also killing the Jews. And he said to her, don't think for a minute that just because you're a queen now, that when they start killing all the Jews, that the enemy is not going to come and find you. And the way how I think about it in, in today's society is sometimes, you know, we do the best that we can to have financial security. We do all the best that we can, you know, to put ourselves in the, best, in the best position that we can so that, you know, we can have the best life that we can. And so we educate ourselves. We go to school. You know, we get our bachelor's degree, our master's degree, whatever we get. You know, we try to get a good job. And we try to, you know, tend to lean on that as security. But I want to tell you that it doesn't matter what your title is, doesn't matter what your job is, doesn't matter what your financial status is, that when the enemy is coming after you as a child of God, he has no respect for who you are. He doesn't care if you are the pastor. He doesn't care if you are the keyboard player. He doesn't care if you are the one who is changing the the lights in the back. He doesn't care if you drive a BMW or a Benz. Whenever he comes to attack, he's a dirty fighter. He comes to attack you, and he comes really, really hard. And so Mordecai told her, don't think for a minute, just because you're a queen now, that when the enemy comes to kill all the Jews, that you won't be touched. Not because of your title, not because of, you know, what you are wearing now and everything like that. Safeguards you from the enemy's attack. What you have to understand is whenever you have a mission and you have a purpose in life, especially as a child of God, that the enemy is right there and ready to take you out. But the good news is that you're not fighting alone. See, we are in a a warfare. The scripture says, you know, you know, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, you know, but, you know, against principalities rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. There are some battles that we are in as Christians that we can't even see. The enemy doesn't always come with an AK-47 and say, freeze. The enemy doesn't always come with a knife and try to stab you right in front of your face. Oftentimes, they take an approach from the back. You know, we have that term, backstabber, you know, stab you in the back. And so what we have to understand is that the war that we are fighting is not apparent because it's not a flesh and blood warfare. There are so many things that are happening in our streets today. There are so many things that are happening in our world today. And the enemy wants you to believe that it's black against white. The enemy wants you to believe that it's police against civilians. The enemy wants you to believe that it's Tennessee versus Georgia versus this versus that. When the real battle, the real fight that we are fighting in this world today is against the devil. Amen. He's the only enemy that we do have. Amen. The enemy is not our brother. We, 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 sometimes we, we, we see the people in front of us, you know, 
the people at work who, you know, try to, you know, stop you from doing something. They might, you know, curse you out or do whatever they want to do. And we tend to think like, oh, yes, I have, I have identified my enemy. It's Susie. Timothy, he's the, one, he's the one who wants me to lose my job. That's my enemy. And sometimes we can get so confused where we go to God and we pray, Lord, God, get rid of Timothy. <laughs> Lord, remove Susie out of my way. When the truth is that Susie is just probably a vehicle that is being used to distract you from what really is going on. In our world today, it's so chaotic. Me and my wife, we, well, not we are pregnant. She is pregnant. Um, amen. And we are about to, you know, have a, a child coming into the world. And one of the biggest things that we worry about, you know, is the safety of our children. Not because we are fearful people. We don't live in fear. We trust God. But because there are so many things that, like, you can do the best that you can as a parent, you can do the best that you can as a believer in God, and the enemy still comes in and attacks your kids, attacks your home. And sometimes it's so hard that we even get to the point where we start doubting God. We're like, well, God, I, I signed up, you know, I believed in you. I had faith in you, and I trusted that you will do this and this and this. But why is everything seeming like it's crumbling now? And I want to tell you today that it's all about sowing seeds. It's all about the seeds that you sow. So let me jump back into our text. The Bible says that now Queen Esther, she was in a position where she was queen. She was, she was over Mordecai. Let me put it like that. And she was over a lot of people in that kingdom. But yet, and this is one of my points, and we're saying, you know, we're running with giants. This is what Esther would say to us today. Esther would say, proceed with wisdom. Proceed with wisdom. Here's how wisdom played out in this story. The Bible says that Mordecai had raised her. Mordecai had been you know, her guardian or parent or whatever uh, for a long time because her parents died. Now she was queen where she was in a position where she was over Mordecai. But yet, in the scripture, the text says that she was still yielding to Mordecai's direction. Now, it seems strange to me, right? It would be as if you were, uh, I don't know what the rankings are in the army. Maybe, you know, the people who are here who have been in the military can help me. A sergeant. Is a sergeant a high office? It is. What, what would be like the lowest office? Private. private. So it would be as if a sergeant was, you know, best friends with a private, but now he's a sergeant, but, you know, he's still coming to the private asking for help, asking for direction, asking for instructions. That's how it would look. In this case where Esther is yielding to Mordecai, and asking him for wisdom and how to proceed in all these matters. See, the thing that I've learned in life is you can get wisdom from anyone. 
I never ever look down on someone as lower than me as someone like, oh no, you can't teach me. Oh no, you can't tell me anything. Oh no, I went to school, you didn't. Whenever we get to that point, we have cut ourselves off from increasing in knowledge, increasing in wisdom. Because even the very five-year-old kid, sometimes they know things that we don't. There are some lessons that even my very little kitty, my cat, not a human, taught me. And sometimes it seems so strange because you're like, wow, you know, what can I learn from a, a little kitty? They're not smart. You know, what can I learn from a little kid? They're not smarter than I am. Surely not. I went to school. I, I have my degree. But here, Esther knew what wisdom was. She had been yielding to Mordecai all her life, and he has never led her astray. So now, him as a trusted person in her life, even though she was elevated higher than he was, here she was still yielding to him and following his every direction. And as we go down in our story, we'll see what happens. The Bible says that Esther had to go to the king. She went into the courts, which you can't go into the king's courts uninvited. But the Bible said that he loved her so much because she was so beautiful, he would just give her anything that she wanted. She approached him and he was like, hey, you know, I believe he said, hey, what's up, baby? What's up, baby? <laughs> it's like, what you want? What you want? You know, a million dollars? It's all yours. Roses, a rose garden. As a matter of fact, you know, I'll, I'll give you the whole forest if you want it. The Bible says that she went to him and, you know, he's like, you want half the kingdom? I'll give you half the kingdom. Literally, that's what he said. You want half the kingdom? I'll give you half the kingdom. And she said, well, you know, Haman is trying to kill the Jews. You know, and I know you send out an order uh, to kill the Jews. Can you, you know, reverse the order? He said, ah. I mean, I can give you a lot of things, but I can't reverse any order. Once the king's decree goes out, it cannot be changed. Once it's signed and sealed, that's what it has to be. So the only thing that he could do was obviously sign something else to try to offset you know, what was going on. So she said, all right, I got it. You can't change what has already been set, could you at least, you know, make a decree where the Jews can fight for themselves? And he agreed. The reason why he obviously agreed was because she had found favor with the king. You know, she's so beautiful that I believe that when he looked at her, he was just so mesmerized. He probably wasn't even thinking straight. Guys, <laughs> if he really was thinking straight, he'd probably be like, oh, no. But the Bible says that, you know, it works. It worked. And I want to show you something or take you to a journey. I believe when I read the text that even from her very birth, that God had a purpose, God had a mission for her to accomplish, that he made her in such a way that she was going to be beautiful to this king years after she was born. And the king was going to be so mesmerized that she was going to find favor with the king. 
And after she found favor with the king, that God's people would be free. Just because of beauty when it, when it comes down to it at the end of the day. So now the Bible says that the enemy came up against the Jews. They came to kill them. And, and as we said earlier, the enemy comes to steal, he comes to kill, he comes to destroy. But whenever it is, and this is what we have to understand as Christians, whenever it is that the enemy comes in hard, when the enemy comes in to take us out, I don't care if it's cancer, I don't care if it's leukemia, I don't care if it's diabetes, I don't care what it is. Whatever it is that the enemy comes to do to us, we ought not to fear. There's a scripture that says, don't fear the one that can kill the flesh. Fear the one that can kill both flesh and soul. So the only fear... Not be afraid, but only fear that we should have, the only thing that we should like really regard is the word of God and what God says about us. I want to tell you today because sometimes, you know, we can be like so in a place where we're misunderstanding. You might not get every single thing that you want in this life. You might not be healed from cancer. Cancer might take you out. You might not be healed from leukemia. Leukemia might take you out. You might not be healed from diabetes. Diabetes might take you out. But understand that this flesh that we are walking in, this is not it. That there is a time and a place coming where where we're going to be, where Revelation says there will be no more crying, no more tears, no more sorrows, no more leukemia, no more cancer, no more diabetes. And if we are pressing towards that place, then ultimately we have nothing to fear. So now, let's just bring it back to the flesh for a minute. The Bible says that in the flesh, the Jews came up against their enemies. And here's what the prediction was. The prediction was that they were going to be taken out by their enemies because surely they seem stronger Surely they seemed more powerful. Surely they probably were more experienced. These were just some Jews. Probably didn't know anything. But here, the Bible says that when they came to kill them, that the expected result did not go as planned. That instead of the enemies taking them out, they took their enemies out. And this is, what I, this is the part that I loved. That... They were taking their enemies out so bad that there were some people who were now joining them, wanting to be Jews. You see, I've learned and experienced that in life, whenever we come up against certain circumstances, and they have a saying, what don't kill you make you stronger. That when you come up against certain circumstances and it tried to take you out, and when the enemy tries to rock you and put you down and kill you, and you still get back up and still are trusting God, enemy can't do anything with anybody like that. If the enemy can give you cancer and leukemia and diabetes and cause you to be in a state where you should be doubting God, where you should have given up, 
where you should have thrown in the towel, but you didn't, the enemy can't do anything with anybody like that. Because all his tricks have been exhausted. All the little things that he wants to do to you to take you out did not work. And at a point in time where you should have been doubting God, you were still trusting him. How can it be? And so we saw ultimately where King, uh, Queen Esther, she sought not only the wisdom of Mordecai, but she sought the wisdom of God. And she also had courage. See, whenever we stand as Christians in this world, especially in this lifetime, if there's one thing that we ought to have, it's courage. The, see, the, 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 the world is looking for Christians who have a good church service, and say, hey, and, you know, so nice, you know, walking down the street. Yeah, I, I know Miss Daisy. She's, she's always so nice. She, you know, you can do anything to Miss Daisy, and, you know, it, she won't say anything, you know. It, it, it's all right. And the enemy tends to think that we are some soft people. But if we are Christ-like, there are two ways that the Bible describes Jesus Christ. They call him the Lamb of God. So, you know, he's nice and soft and fluffy. But also, the Bible calls him the Lion of Judah. Right. Understand that for us as Christians, we are not just lambs, but we are also lions. That there are some times in our life that we have to fight. We can't just turn over and roll over and have the enemy just knock us back and forth. As a matter of fact, one of the, one of the biggest things that I noticed today is that the church is off, off, awfully silent in the world. Like you hear everybody else's voice. You don't really hear much of the church because we don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. We are afraid what they might think of us. While we look at America and we say, America needs God. These people, they need Jesus. How are you moving towards that? You're saying that, but how are, are you bringing Jesus into the job? Are you bringing Jesus into the supermarkets? The more we are silent, the less that can be accomplished. So now we are in a state in our country where we say America needs God and America is falling and, you know, the enemy is rising and this is rising and that is rising. And everything is rising, it seems like, except for the church. And that's a challenge to each and every one of us. We sung a song earlier, and I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. God of this city, I want to tell you that God is not waiting for your neighbor to be the change in this city. He's waiting for you. Amen. So you might look at yourself and be like, well, you know, I'm just a little guy. I grew up in Knoxville or, you know, I grew up in 
Powell or I grew up in Oak Ridge or wherever you're from, I don't care. As long as you are a child of God, just like Esther, God has a purpose for your life, one. Two, God can use you. Yes, you, sir. Yes, yes, you, ma'am. To bring change, not only in Knoxville, not only in Tennessee, but he can bring you, use you to bring change throughout the world, believe it or not. You know, some of it, sometimes it's so hard to believe because, you know, we, we kind of look at ourselves and be like, little old me, I, I don't really know anything. I don't really know any scriptures. I don't really even know how to pray, really. I don't really know how to do anything. But it's so beautiful whenever you read scripture that God loves to use those people, doesn't he? Those kinds of people that know how to, know how to fish, catch fish in a net, are those people who don't really have good speech, like Moses? Understand that we are called to something so much greater than who we are. We are called to something so much greater than this auditorium right here. That life church can be such a monumental thing in Knoxville that all of a sudden, you're hearing about Life Church on the news. Seven o'clock news. Life Church is taken to the streets and walking all through Knoxville and doing such and such and such and such. It might seem wayward. It might seem strange. It might seem like too far out of reach for us to grasp. Because all we can see is just us that are gathered here today. I strongly believe, I firmly believe that if you just understand and trust that God is with you and that he can use you, not your neighbor, but you to bring change, even if it's just some incremental changes here and there, it's ultimately leading towards something. But understand this, that you are not alone. That God is with you, first and foremost. But you also have the support of your church family, you know, of your family, whoever it is. Ultimately, if you are doing something and striving towards doing something for God, he is not going to let you down. So with that, we can run with courage. We can run with pride knowing that our God, he's faithful to what he says he will do. Scripture says that one can chase how many? A thousand. And how many two can chase? 10,000. So, when you're looking at yourself and you're like, what can I do? What, 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 what mission is there that I can accomplish for God? And scripture is saying, one can chase a thousand. And if you put two of you, you could put 10,000 to flight. 
mathematically it doesn't add up, right? But if you understand anything about God, if you understand anything about how he moves, he's not looking for somebody who is strong, who is powerful. He's looking for somebody who is available. Let us stand today. If we can get ourselves into a place where we say, here I am, Lord. I'm available to be used by you. It doesn't matter what my title is. It doesn't matter who my mama is. It doesn't matter who my father is. It doesn't matter what my background is. It doesn't matter who people look at me as. It doesn't matter who I think I am. I'm trusting in you and I know that there is a purpose and there is a mission that you have created me for that I need to accomplish. I strongly, strongly and firmly believe that if you are breathing or you're alive, that there is a purpose for you that God has. That there is a mission that you ought to accomplish for the kingdom of God that is so far beyond you, so far even than you can even imagine or think. That if we just buy into the fact that God is with us and if God is for us, then there is no one who can be against us. Would you pray with me today? Lord, we want to thank you for this word, God. We thank you for your people here. We thank you that you are a God that we can rely on, that you are a God who is always faithful, that you are a God who never leaves us, God. You never forsake us, God. That even at times when we feel small, God, that when we come to you, Lord, that you can cause us to roar like lions, Father God, and to walk around Jericho walls, Father God, and shout, Lord God, and see them fall, God, that there is nothing too hard for God. That there is nothing impossible with you, God. That if we just trust you, O God, and obey your word and yield, O God, to what you have said to us in your word, God, that you can use us, God. You're looking for a vessel today that is available, that is ready to be used, O God, that is ready to be set on fire for you, O God, that is ready, O God, to stand for you, that even at times, God, when it's unpopular to speak your name, God, that dear will be a person, that there will be a man, a woman, a boy, a girl, oh God, who will still be proclaiming your name, God. That even when the gospel is in season, we will be preaching it. When it's out of season, we'll be preaching it. When it's not looking too good for us, God, that we will still be preaching. That even when it seems, oh God, like we're sinking, And we are on the verge of falling, God, that your hands are stretched out still. And we can always stretch our hands to you, God, and we can always look to you for our help, God. Our help comes from you. And we thank you today that you are helping us even right now, God. Lord, we look at our world and we see all the circumstances and we see, Lord God, so so many killings, oh God, and so many hatred. So much hatred, Lord God, in our society, God, and everybody is fighting against everybody, and everybody is shouting and screaming, oh God, and there's so much propaganda going on in news, and people are confused, not knowing where to turn. Even Christians, oh God, are confused in this moment. We pray, oh God, that you will help us, oh God, to always remember, oh God, that you are with us, God. To always remember, oh God, 
that if you are for us, that there is no one, no matter how it seems, no matter how powerful they seem, God, because there is greater in us, God, than that which is in the world. Help us, O oh God, to bond together as believers, trusting in your name, coming together in prayer for one another, especially in a time as this, Lord, where the church is going to be so instrumental moving forward with all that's taking place. I pray, O oh God, that you will give us, Lord God, the wisdom of Esther, O oh God, to seek wise counsel. You give us the courage of Esther, O oh God, to stand before kings, God. That you will give us, O oh God, that zeal, O oh God, like Esther, O oh God, to go in fasting and prayer to seek your face, God. Help us to seek you in such a time as this. We still believe, O oh God, that America is one nation under you. That you still hold this country in your hands, God. You hold this city in your hands, God. That you hold the people within the city in your hands. That you hold each and every one of us here in your hand. We yield to you today, God. And we thank you for that which you are about to accomplish in this city, in us, and in this country, and in this world. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' name. Amen.